Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. They say in 1996, hockey was a man's game, and I have it on good authority that the Avs were keeping it high and tight when it came to manscaping. Manscaping is our new partner here at DNVR, and we're here to remind you to keep your balls clean. They are a fantastic company, and you can get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code DNVR20. Their package comes with everything you need to make your junk look good, whether it be the Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer with a perfect blades that will prevent a nicks based on its ceramic build, as well as some anti-chafe deodorant and some spray-on ball toner to keep everything fresh down below. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com, DNVR20 code. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time! Tipped in front by Mika Rantanen! Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Cole J! T! Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! <laughs> Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. They have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try and offering both pickup and delivery during these quarantine times. Get on it and get over to them for your alcohol needs. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We just witnessed the Avs defeat the Detroit Red Wings in Game 1 of the 1996 Conference Finals in a game that's based on the source we had, went by extremely quickly. But I imagine being out on the ice for that one was quite the chore, as having recently watched the 2001 series of the Avs winning the Cup and thinking, wow, that was a pretty physical game, watching this game one was a completely different level of brutality. You know, it it was just in the uh, the physicality 
um, you know, what they were able to get away with, blah, 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 blah. But also the pace of it was a yeah. lot. It was a very lot up and down. Yeah. Better than that devil series, which. Ugh. Yeah, I guess it's hard to uh, pick up some steam for a hit when the devils just won't let you pass the red line. So, <laughs> yeah, straight up, man. But yeah, very, very physical on both ends of the ice with multiple huge hits throughout this game. Obviously, for those that know this series, plenty more of that to come. But I was still a little bit surprised at just how aggressive it was from the get-go. I guess it is the conference finals late in the playoffs, and very clearly, I mean, this game did end up going to overtime, and what it took for a penalty was someone literally breaking their stick over Forsberg's knee to get a penalty. Yeah. So you could get away with pretty much anything out there for a while. Even that was a minor. Right. Not not even a double, not a major. It was like, I guess you did something bad enough that we're forced to call something yeah, in right. this game. Like, okay, well, you just kneecapped a dude. <laughs> so that's a minor penalty. A minor penalty. <laughs> right. All right. Whatever you say, Chief. <laughs> Um, kind of combing through this game and watching the goals, almost none of them were particularly pretty. Uh, on the ab side especially, uh, the first one, Paul Coffey straight up shoots the puck into his own net, <laughs> who, by the way, had three of the five goals in this game, if you want to count to that one. <laughs> yeah, um, he, uh, Hockey Instinct just Took over there. Yep. Got the puck in front of the net, and he just shot it and was like, oh, dang it. Too juicy. That was, <laughs> that was not what I meant to do. My bad. They don't call him an Man, offensive defenseman face, for nothing. Though, yeah. He was just like, oh, <laughs> dang it. So you had that dirty one. The second one was Deadmarsh basically just crashing into Osgood in the crease, and the puck just kind of bounced in. Yeah, I love that they were having the conversation about whether or not that was a kick. Like, <laughs> Denmark didn't even know where that puck was. Yeah, <laughs> straight up, all he did was just crash the net and stop. <laughs> like, he had no idea where the puck was. He was just trying to create some chaos. The puck ends up going in, and he's like, yeah, p- perfect. This is it's exactly what I meant to do, boys. And it, I mean, it worked for him, and they got it, but it was just... It was very entertaining to listen to them kind of on and on about the, uh, <laughs> did yeah. he kick it? Did right. he intentionally kick that in? Like, there's no I don't way. know if he directed that in or not. And it's like, <laughs> guys, no. <laughs> the chat, Mr. Poyo saying on the Paul Coffey goal, we call that the Boshaman around here. Ugh. Big oof. <laughs> uh, and then... The Avs' third goal in overtime, an overtime where Chris Osgood had played absolutely out of his mind, yeah. and then lets in like this extremely soft half slapper from beyond the circles. That's like not a good shot at all by any means from Mike Keane, no less. So, yeah, it looks like I mean you watch it and it really just looks like it just catches him by surprise. Yeah, a little surprised and well placed by Keen to put it right in the uh, the elbow slot, kinda. But nonetheless, not a great goal for Osgood to give up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like you said; it's not particularly well placed. It's not like a it's, 
it's not like it was a laser of a shot and it's you know and it, it goes bar down or anything and you're just like well what do you do yep you know that one it beats him beats him on that short side on the elbow and it was just kind of like oh i watched calvin picker give up a lot of those one year <laughs> and it cost him an nhl job yep he's not wrong so the Evs did take the w but it, and look i think the game was relatively even top to oh, bottom great game uh, yeah as we said very very back and forth going both ways but the goals that ultimately went in the net for the Avs were not the greatest. On the other side, you had two Paul Coffey goals for the Red Wings. Uh, one, a, a nice passing play, the second one, where Coffey basically just got to throw it into the net off of it from the slot. And then the first one, uh, a point shot that seemed to have eyes and find its way through. Yeah, it looked like it hit Dino Cicerelli in front and just sort of found its way in. Yep. So... Who knows? It's officially credited to Coffee, according to Hockey Reference. But either way, the Avs were able to take the W on this one, and uh, the shorthanded goal they gave up was nonsense. Well, both teams had a shorthanded goal in the same conference finals game. I did not remember that at all. Yeah, uh, and Colorado's obviously thanks Paul Coffee, but well, sure. <clears throat> could have could have given up a couple more, man. The that Claude Lemieux turnover yeah. on the power play was just like basically oh, giving up a breakaway that yeah. that he hooked him six times and it was fine because it's nineteen ninety six. Right. <laughs> on a on a power play, it was just like, oh hey, we're gonna commit every infraction and they were just cool with that. I mean, Mike Ricci had a clean breakaway where he got hauled down and hooked and like Pick between three different infractions, and you would have been okay. And they were just like, "No, we're not calling anything." Yeah, I've... and like today, if that happened today, I'd be like, uh, "That's a penalty shot." Uh, that's a penalty <laughs> shot, guys. Pretty and sure. Then, not only was it not a penalty shot, but it was nothing. Well, I mean, just watching <laughs> Peter Forsberg try to skate through the neutral zone, and Fedorov like oh, literally oh. just. Keeping his stick on his hands for a good five seconds. (laughs) Yeah. And, right. That's, I think, the play on Forsberg where it clicked to me where it's like, all right, you just, this is how you play defense in 1996. Like, this is normal. Yeah. And Fedorov was an amazing defensive forward, but, and and the the broadcast even pointed it out as they were, the announcers were talking about, oh, you know, watch the, the, that Forsberg line so dangerous, but they haven't even gotten going. And it was like, yeah, well, I wonder why. <laughs> like, you watch it, and Fedorov was just, he was just, like, wrapping himself around Forsberg. Yeah. Like, You're not going to go anywhere. I'll hold you to the ice if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, it was a very different game. The The other side of that was, outside of Forsberg and Sackick at times, maybe Lemieux, Occasionally, that Avs team was almost strictly dump and chase. It felt like 90% of the opportunities outside of odd man rushes were just, all right, dump the puck in and go to work. Yeah, and their cycle game was good, though. It, so it, it was, it was. I, I could see why that they wanted to play that way, because they were, they were doing work yeah. in the corners and along the walls. I, I was very... 
I was impressed um, with how effective they were playing that way because you just don't really think of the Avs ever, historically, ever, as a very grindy group. And they were quite effective at it. Yeah. Uh, interesting way that this team was built. I mean, very different from the 0-1 team. Uh, 0-1 team obviously had five Hall of Famers. Pretty easy to throw those guys out on the ice for a million minutes, but... Yeah. There was a little bit more depth with a healthy Forsberg on this team, able to run a, a Lemieux, a Sackick, a Dead Marsh, a Forsberg up front. And then. With Kabinsky and Scott Young? Like, yeah. And then Mike Keane and Mike Ricci on your third line? Right. Like, Some consistent scoring a, there. Yeah. And you remember Mike Ricci was a top five pick. Yep. Like, these were, these were some really, really good players. Yeah. Quality there. And then the defense. Obviously, Sandus Ozalinch is the, the offensive defenseman there that was uh, honest, nearly scored goals multiple times in this game, but just couldn't seem to quite find the back of the net. He was all over the place. Yeah. So, uh, pulled off the uh, the EJ slide on defense at one point as well during this game. And uh, stood somebody up at the, I mean, stood somebody up, just barrel rolled somebody. Yeah, at straight the flipped them. Yep. So... You know. did, the, uh, did what Dmitry Orlov did to Duchesne a couple years ago. That Maybe, low bridge. Not quite that severe, but pretty close. Yeah, he didn't, well, Duchesne flipped all the way around, almost landed on right. his Right, so. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll wrap up the first period there. We're drinking some celebratory Breck Brews, the official beer of DNVR. Highly recommend it, as always. If you can, go out and get one. They are available at the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse if you're local down in Littleton. You can go on down there from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. You can also get a meal and use code DNVR for $5 off your meal when you call 303-803-1308. Eight O, excuse me, and it's a great place to pick it up for a quick lunch or something like that. If you're just looking to get out of the house, try something a little bit different. I know everyone's all cramped up inside these days. Really recommend it. You can also pick up your 15-can sampler from Avalanche Amber, Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, you name it. Every Breckenridge beer out there. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by davidson's beer wine and spirits we talked about this on the pre-show a little bit aj but everyone remembers this series for the big claude lemieux hit on on draper and sparking off this rivalry but you brought up a very good point that you can even see it here in this game one that there is a lot bubbling under the surface from the jump in this series and whether it be, you know, the big hit by Ozer Lynch at center ice or Forsberg taking a, a stick across the knee, neither teams were, were being friendly at all. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, this are, these are two teams that just, they they were playing for keeps. Yep. And you remember, this was a 61-win team. They had 131 points, yep. this Detroit team coming in. They had one of the greatest regular seasons of all time. They had all the expectations in the world, and... They had just played that brutal double overtime game against St. Louis a couple days earlier. Gritsky had it, lost it. <laughs> yeah. Eiserman picked it up. <laughs> yep. And that's the one. That is the game, yes. <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, for for me, I thought it was the intensity level early on 
both teams came flying out of the gates. Yeah. Hits, scoring chances, everything. And this looked different than just just because we're comparing this to the 2001 series sure. that we just watched also. Right. Uh, this this looked different in that these were each each was the 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 best the league had to offer at the time, but it's striking how different it looked in just a couple of years. Yeah, the the abs were so much deeper up up for up front at forward, uh, and had a really good defensive core, but were lacking that really really high end guy. Yep, but they had Patrick Waugh back there who made up for it, and Waugh was great in this game. A couple of great saves. Don't really, don't really have much to say about the goals that did get by him, but he was fantastic, uh, especially late in the third period when Detroit had a couple of really good chances. But I thought, I thought overall the pace of this was incredible. I, this was just a really fun game to watch. It, it didn't feel grindy. I, d- I didn't lose focus on it. It didn't feel like it was a lot of muck and. You know, a lot of a lot of that neutral zone trap nonsense that we sat through with the 01 series. These were two two of the best teams getting up and after each other with a lot of skill on each side, uh, trying to find ways to, to play in the chess match of how best to neutralize the future Hall of Famers on the other side. Yep. Shots 31 to 30. Granted, they did play the majority of an overtime period in yeah. this game, but it still felt like significantly more action. There were long stretches and, and great opportunities for the abs, especially throughout this game where they had wide open nets that they were just missing clean. Yeah. Sackick missed a <laughs> wide open net at one point in this game where it was just like, dude, you got to finish. I bet, I bet if you were to ask him today, about he still that, remembers that <laughs> he would probably remember missing that. <laughs> it was that wide open. So it very Different, I, I think. You put it well to that 2001 series. And mm. in my opinion, outside of winning the Cup, a lot more of a fun series on, on that side of things. Oh, As, and just the intensity, so much higher. Yeah. Surprisingly up. higher. There was no patience or calmness at all from from drop to finish of this game. It was go, 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 go. It was very frenetic. And I'll be I'll be curious to see how that holds up through the series. Yeah. Knowing that Detroit did go through uh, a long series that they had before that, just watching how they kind of progress will be interesting. Um, and it wasn't like the Abs had a cakewalk in their second round. You know, they had they they played multiple overtime games against Chicago that year. So uh, it was it, it the war of attrition had begun by this point. Yep, Iserman got hurt in this game and did not return. For example. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that we're only going to see that 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 aspect of this ramp up. It's only going to get more physical as this series goes on, and that disdain for one another is really going to set in. Yeah, I, on both sides. I'm just looking through here. There are more than a few names on the list. It wasn't oh, here's the Avs, 18 skaters that played all six games of the series. There's. Mm-hmm at least 24, 25 names on the list. And the same thing, maybe even more for the Detroit side. So no one is surviving this series healthy by any means. And the battle in this game was a little bit different than I think what we're going to experience from the rest of the game. 
Uh, I couldn't tell you what the, the stats are all the way through because I haven't looked. Uh, but Paul Coffey, obviously a star for Detroit at the time, uh, scoring two of their goals, getting assists from players like Fedorov and Eiserman. Their stars showed up and put in the work in this game, whereas the Avs got goals from Yell. They got goals, a goal from Mike Keane, and then one from Dead Marsh from Sackick is, is more the players you expect to see show up on the score sheet. But and the, that was the crash to that goal. Right, the the dirtiest goal of the game. So yeah. it, it was very much, despite all of the quality opportunities, the Avs' depth got the job done in this one. Definitely. And that does not feel – just watching game one did not feel sustainable at all. Sackick's got to put that empty wide-open net goal in. Forsberg's got to find a way to break away from, from Fedorov and, and create some opportunities. Yeah, Forsberg did have uh, a bit of a break, a small breakaway. Yep. Uh, and he shot quickly on it like he was trying to surprise Osgood. Yep. And given the way that Keane scored the game winner, I wonder if that was something that they, they had were actually a book on him, yeah, or something. That was something, yeah, that they wanted to do was, hey, if you shoot early on this guy, you can score from further out because he won't he won't pick up the puck or he doesn't anticipate a shot coming. Yep. So I do wonder if that was something that they thought about. Yeah, I. It certainly seems like it, especially you bringing that up, but that I mean. If you'll let me fanboy out for, for one minute, watching Peter Forsberg do his thing was so entertaining throughout this game. Just You talk about the tempo and the tenacity in this game and watching him just go get a puck along the boards and, and straight up fighting a dude off with one hand and, and saying, this puck is mine, no one else can have it. Didn't quite work well, out this game, but... It stood out so much, man. Yeah, in a game, like, like I said, that was so much dump and chase, not holding onto the puck for more than a couple of seconds. Well, and we didn't see him in the 0-1 series. Right, so. exactly. There wasn't that unbridled talent on the ice. Right. He was just such a singular force of nature on the ice, and it stood out in this game. Like, how many Hall of Famers are in this game? And Peter Forsberg separated himself in this one from all the others. It's we talked about it the other day and I, I think you put it very well with Makar as well. Your eyes are just drawn to some players. Your your mind is just drawn to some players where you see them do something and you go, Oh, that guy has it. What yeah. <laughs> sometimes you can't even explain it. Yeah. So very nostalgic about that on my side. Loved seeing uh Fapa do his thing. But on the other side of that, the Detroit side had plenty of opportunities as well. You mentioned Patrick Watt playing very strongly. They also missed some open nets on this one. It, bit of a tough take on me to read this Avs defense as it stands. When I first watched this series, I was five years old, so, you nah. know. I didn't really understand hockey and uh, the setup of a system of where your defensemen are supposed to be or anything like that. So uh, I guess they, they did have some big names in Lefebvre and the the ever-underrated John Clem, as we found out in the 0-1 series. But it felt a little loose to me. Yeah, I mean, I liked Krupp. Yeah, I you know, don't don't remember a lot of this. Again, I was also really young during this, but watching watching Uwe Krupp in this game, I really liked his game a lot. Um, 
really big and surprisingly mobile. You, you always are trying to find guys who are really big and uh, can skate. Yeah, right. Like that's one. That's the thing that NHL GMs have been looking for on the back end forever. Especially back then when puck skill was kind of irrelevant for a defenseman. Yeah, and Group had some. Right. He he had he had the size. He could move pretty well. I mean, he would score a pretty big goal about three weeks from now. So. <laughs> <laughs> he does, and like that's what we remember him for. But I I was really excited to actually dig into what this defensive group looked like overall. Yeah. Because it doesn't have the Bork or the Blake, and it doesn't have the uh, quite the the same level of Adam Foot, right? Like it was. It has a bunch of really solid guys, though. Yeah, yeah like like Gusarov and Lecision and Krupp, um, and and obviously Foot, a very good defensive defenseman. Like they're, I I just I really liked uh, a lot of what I saw from that defense. Um, Sylvain Lefebvre, though can't commit assault in front of the net and then turn around and look at the ref and go what do you mean (laughs) what did i do it was like buddy and that that's a guy who uh wore the c once upon a time for the avs by the way yeah um it's one of those fun facts like sakic missed a game did something or other missed a couple games or something yeah Yeah, wasn't around and uh he wore the c in in his stead. So keep that in your, uh, your trivia vault if you need it, but we'll go ahead and take our second period break here. And it's time to talk about one of our newer sponsors, MSU Denver online. This is actually where I went to school for college and took quite a few online classes myself. They're a great cro- program and they provide rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the class classroom. It's great. Even now, during quarantine, these online classes, it's something they're practiced for, something they're prepared for. So they already know what they're doing when it comes to these things. It's not a big change for them. You can head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. That includes over 40-plus online and hybrid programs to take you from beginning to graduation and over 750 classes to take. So whatever you need, they have it for you. You can take your classes. You can also get credits transferred into the school you have some backed up from ple- previous courses you've taken it's a great deal and over 80 percent of the msu denver alumni are right here in denver including myself so come become one of us and again just msudenver.edu slash online to check it out third period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by davidson's with ruto and aj this <coughs> game one I'm trying to to take my current self out of it because obviously knowing what comes in the series, it's easy to see everything building. But at the time with this game, how important, how big of an upset was it for the Avs to take game one in Detroit in a series against the best team in the league? I think it was huge. Uh, Again, 131 points. 62 wins? Like, imagine a team having 131 points today. I mean, you're talking, it's an insane regular season. Right. Uh, Tampa a couple years ago was the closest, and even they came up short, so. Yeah, it's just dominant. Yep. Not close. Yeah, like, 
just a, just an incredible accomplishment. And then for them to have gotten pushed the way they did by St. Louis, I don't think they were expecting. And then to turn around and bounce back against this Colorado team, a very young team, one who was, you remember the year before when their final year in Quebec and they were the top seed and, and boofed it in the first round. Yep. And that was, I think, weighing on on some of their minds. To be clear, Detroit led the league with 131 points. The Avs came in second with 104 points. Right. So wait, that's, a, that's a huge gap. Yeah. Wins 62 for Detroit, 47 for the Avs. 14 more wins for that Detroit team. So everyone was a massive underdog in that series. Yeah, and you remember, you you, you watched that game. The Detroit scores first early in the game. It's one nothing. Then they get the two-man advantage shortly thereafter. That could have been game. That sequence right there could yep. have been the game. Go up 2-0 on home ice and just shut it down from there, basically. Exactly. And and you would not have expected Colorado to come back from that. And then they've got the one nothing series lead. The the hangover from the blue series isn't a talking point. Nobody's thinking about it anymore. They're often running back to winning their winning ways, and it's no big deal. The Avs, I think if the Avs were gonna win this series, they had to win game one. They had to. Because it was just like this was obviously a talented Colorado team. And obviously a confident group, but they got punched in the mouth right off the bat in this game and in this series. And how they responded is what made them the championship team that they became. But boy, they did not make it easy on themselves early on, man. They that it could have gone sideways for them in a really big hurry. Yeah. It got away with that one, I think is is a good way to put it. Because yeah you're right. It would have been very, very tough if they go down early and just get bopped in game one. Realistically, they need to find a way to win game two to just even the series going back to Colorado. Uh, Because this team was downright dominant. This Detroit team is honest. They would go on to win, you know, a couple of cups over the next handful of years. So Mm -hmm. someone in chat. I mean, they would win back-to-back titles in 97, 98, and then they would win again. In uh, two, yeah, yeah. So, great team. Every win counts massively against a team like that. Uh, someone put it in chat earlier, pretty well, I believe that. Oh, what was it? I can't remember. Sorry, chat. I forgot what you said, but someone put it very well about this series and and the Avs being the underdog and 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 coming in and whoever won this series was going to basically win the cup once the East was decided, as we've talked about with Florida beating the, the stacked Pittsburgh Penguins team. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it would have been a hundred percent. Whoever was winning this was winning the, the, the finals because that Pittsburgh team was loaded. Yep. But once, once Florida came out of it, there was no chance. There was no way they were going to beat either one of these teams. Yep. But that Pittsburgh team was ridiculously good in its own right and i think that that would have been a whale of a series 
and we might have gotten robbed of a of a, an all time great Stanley Cup final with guys like uh, Lemieux, Yager, Sackick, Forsberg. Like that was that was a really good Pens team. And on one hand, awesome, got the cup, easy cup, easy life. On the other hand, would have been cool to see another Clash of the Titans. An interesting fact here, this year's cup actually kicked off an era of the Western Conference dominance of the Stanley Cup. Obviously, you had New Jersey in there, but from 96, Avs obviously take that. You have the Detroit back-to-back and then Dallas, then another New Jersey. Avs and Detroit win again, New Jersey, and then finally... Tampa Bay kind of breaks the streak a little bit as they take down their cup in 04, but it wasn't even just that. It was that 96, the abs sweep the Panthers. Yep. Uh, 97 and 98, uh, the Red Wings sweep the caps and the flyers dominant performances. Yeah. And then I don't, I don't know how many games Dallas I believe it was six. I'm assuming it was six because that's a um, Dallas, the Dallas over that should have been Buffalo. Yep. And then, then New Jersey's dominance started. Right. But to win the, the, even in six games, the, the, with, uh, with Buffalo two games. Yep. In four years in the cup finals, like sit down. <laughs> So it's like, what is this? The NBA <laughs> straight up dominance. The yeah. Warriors out here. Well, I mean, the, the, the NBA's Western conference has completely dominated. Yeah. Uh, over, over the, the, the last handful, handful of years. Yep. It's been like 30 years of dominance from the Western conference where the only, the only, obviously the Raptors won it last year, but. It's been you pretty know. much just Boston outside of that, right? Yeah, it was like Boston and LeBron. Yeah, that's true. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. Like that was it. But yeah. otherwise it's just been it's it's been Western dominance, and that was the era of Western dominance that that couple of year run where it was like the only Eastern Conference team worth a damn was New Jersey. Yep. Anyone else was getting taken down and that there were more than a few series, not just in 96, but in, in following years where it felt like abs or wings are going to play each other and the winner's going to the cup finals. Yep. Obviously, this one ends up pretty well. Some ones in the following years, not quite as much. But maybe we'll save those for another day as we get to bask in the victory of the abs in game one here. As we start to wrap things up, Game 2 will be Wednesday, 6 p.m., same time, same place. Most of you know the drill by now. If you don't know, tell all your friends. Let everybody know. DNBR watches on Twitch every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Avs games to get the hockey fix that we can out here. AJ, any final thoughts on Game 1 on this series heading into the rest of it? It's a great game. It was. I, I hope game. the rest of these games are as exciting as this one, even though... I know they won't quite be the same. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, Great way to start a series. I mean, really, it really was. It was It was an awesome opening game to what's going to be a very good series. Yeah, 100%. Looking forward to the rest of it. Thank you, everyone, for coming out. And you will hear from us again tomorrow.
Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects and has been since 1972. When you're out there working on whatever and you need a new rubber gasket, some molded rubber, custom contract manufacturing, or anything like that, custom hoses as well, they have you covered. And more specifically, they are your go-to place with snow plows. As snow is on the ground right now, it did snow all weekend. They'll make your life easy with snow plows that can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet whatever your specifications may be and they're even double-sided they're locally owned you can buy for yourself of course and bulk at a fantastic rate to fit whatever you may need you can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr dnvr avalanche with hayfield 